When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Here at the Five Reasons Network, we like to work with the people who are endorsing the network. We feel it builds a connection. And also, these are the types of services that we think your business can use as you try to grow it like we're growing ours. One of those businesses is miss-inc.com. That's miss-inc.com. 305-537-6465. They are social media problem solvers, which means social media marketing and content writing. They've been in business for more than 10 years. They're based down here in Miami, and they believe in a personalized, customized approach to marketing. So they only represent businesses that are serious about taking their visibility to the next level. Social media marketing requires much more than just a blog or profiles on a website like Facebook or Twitter. It takes smart strategy and a daily interactive focus. They don't believe in cookie cutter strategies or in boxing your business in with others in your industry. If you go to our IG page at Five Reasons Sports, you'll see a lot of work that MissInc.com is doing for us. Again, that's Miss-Inc.com, Miss-Inc.com. Welcome into another edition of the Five Reasons Podcast. My name is Chris Whittingham, joined as always by Ethan Skolnick. We are on the eve of NBA free agency, and so we're going to be covering NBA free agency quite a bit here on the network. Obviously, be sure to follow Miami Heat Beat, also Three Arts Per Carry, Pitch Invasion, and Ballscast, the other podcasts in our network. But today, to discuss the latest on NBA free agency, we feel a sense of urgency because these things can change very quickly. We're joined by NBA Insider from USA Today, Sam Amick. Sam, thanks for the time. Ethan, Chris, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, so a lot to get to here. We'll start first with the news. We're taping this on a Thursday, and the news on a Thursday is that Paul George is telling Oklahoma City that he is not going to opt in to the final year of his contract. Now, we might have anticipated, but I think some people are taking it as he's more likely to leave now because he's a free agent. That's not necessarily the case, is it, Sam? No, not at all. It's funny to me sometimes when certain developments seem to make more of a splash than they should, and I would put this one in that category I, I kind of chuckled this morning admittedly being on the west coast you know I woke up to seeing that that news was already out there and, and like you said Chris people acted as if it was a development it's not a development at all it was widely expected the thunder feel as optimistic today you know and after this happens you know as they did before that doesn't mean they're going to get their guy but you know they are feeling fine and, and they knew this was coming so Sam give me the reasons why he would stay in Oklahoma City is this simply a money play because it, it didn't look comfortable for him at times last year um playing with Russ. And I know obviously you're pretty tied into that situation there uh, in OKC. And also um, it, it didn't seem like he and Carmelo had much of a 
connection there. And now Carmelo is going to opt into that $27 million contract. So uh, if Paul George was to, uh, a couple of things, if Paul George was to stay in Oklahoma city, do they try to move Melo? And, and, and from his perspective, what is the benefit to staying there? So there's a lot to unpack. And, and I think because it's a complicated landscape, something Ethan that, that you're hitting on that I do think is interesting is that Paul in some ways is one of those people that like you, you kind of made the observation that he didn't necessarily look comfortable at different times on the court with Russ, with Mello, with that entire group. I don't know if he would agree with that, even though anybody who's objective watching it probably comes to that conclusion. He consistently spoke with a, a level of, you know, of kind of a reverence for Russ, reverence for their group that, that didn't necessarily they kind of belied what the eyes told you when you watch this team play. And it was really interesting because it was from beginning to end, training camp all the way until the end. You know, what is for him in OKC and what might compel him to stay? Uh, I think first and foremost that the Westbrook factor is fascinating because Russ has been rightly accused of being a, a guy who at, at minimum, you know, we question whether or not other stars wanted to play with him. When, it, when a guy like Kevin Durant leaves town, that's a natural question to ask. And Russ, I think, has evolved and changed when it comes to his wiring and his personality. And I think he's done a nice job of really connecting with Paul. And they seem to be legitimate friends off the court. And I think that's been a positive. Paul, it's funny because for all the noise, and, and again, rightful noise, about Paul and the connection to L.A., being from Palmdale, you know, outside of L.A., and the, the glitz and the glamour that comes with that market, Paul's also kind of a country guy who loves the OKC landscape. He goes fishing out there all the time. I actually went to his house during training camp. And I mean, he's got lakes within walking distance of where he's at. And, and what I'm hearing right now is that there is part of him that likes the simpler things and isn't necessarily feeling the idea of going back home to the West. Uh, the money side, you know, I think if he does stay in OKC, I'd be very surprised if he, you know, came back or anything. I think he would have an opt out next year. We'd probably kick the can down the road a year. And he'd get to see how this thing builds. You know, the, I, the last thought on that front is when Andre Robertson got hurt last year, and I know to the, to the mainstream audience, that's just not a big name. That's not the kind of player that you would think would really factor into an equation like this. But he is so good on the defensive end, and they, they got so much worse defensively when Andre got hurt that I know that Paul does feel like that created a little bit of a what-if scenario where he feels like year two with this group uh, could be good. And, and you would ask about Melo, too. I mean. Did they trade Mello? We shall see, but they got to be a little bit careful because, again, agree or not, Paul's perception of Mello uh, is so positive and matters because I think their ability and willingness to go land him last year, say what you will about how bad he was and how tough of a situation that is, but it sent a really strong message to Paul that that OKC front office was aggressive in the kinds of ways that he had always wished the Pacers front office had been when he was back in Indiana. So I think, you know, they need to be a little bit careful there. Do you think there's a path to improvement for Oklahoma City? Because even with all the fit issues, there's still a team that went out in the first round to the Utah Jazz. Do you think that you right. know, with, with all the contracts that they have, really it seems like all they can do is just bring Paul George back and hope that maybe some buyout guys end up their way? Like, I don't see a lot of ways that they can actually get better. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, I believe, and I'm going to make sure I don't misspeak here, that they've got their mid-level uh, and that there was already kind of chatter a couple of months ago. I remember talking to one of Paul's people and they were kind of speculating and looking ahead a little bit and, and brainstorming about who might be able to, you know, who might come to town uh, for limited money, but with the chance to be a special piece for a group that they think could still be special. I would love to know what their short list is. We didn't really kind of crystallize any specific names, 
But I did find it interesting that in terms of the level of buy-in from Paul and his associates, that they were already having these kinds of conversations. I, I definitely got the sense that, you know, let's say he decides to stay. I think step two is that the recruiting probably has already begun. I mean, right now it's like hypothetical recruiting. You know, hey, if I stay, what do you think? You want to come help us out? So I don't know who they have in mind, but I think that, you know, you guys know the league and how it has just become this fraternity of sorts where the stars themselves a lot of times hold more sway than even the GMs when it comes to just actually convincing somebody that they might want to relocate. So I think in their minds, even with limited tools in the tool belt, you know, they might be able to get something done. So if it's not Oklahoma City, I mean, the foregone conclusion, at least, you know, with the media and the public has been L.A., like from L.A., you know, that right. was that was the talk last year when when they, you know, Kevin Pritchard makes the trade to bring in all the depot was that he was probably heading to L.A. eventually anyway. Can you see a scenario where it's not L.A.? Because we have we've had a couple guys on the podcast who've talked about Philadelphia being like the best fit from a playing standpoint for Paul George, like slide right in there at the three, another defender, a shooter that he might be a better fit than LeBron in Philadelphia, because Paul George, you know, can it can play off the ball uh, quite a bit. He's done that. Um, do you see any scenario where he ends up in Philly, in Houston, in some other city that we're not really talking about other than Los Angeles? I can't. Uh, you know, I, I've got a qualifier that, that I've had in place for a couple of years now that th- there's such a circus element to every July that I have officially taken the stance that I'm, I'm just never going to say never on anything anymore. You know, I mean, you could tell me LeBron's going to Sacramento and I'd say, sure, who knows? I mean, it's like this league always amazes me and shocks me. And so in that regard, who knows? But I, I have absolutely zero intel or reason to believe that he's seriously considering anything other than OKC and the Lakers. And the, and the Lakers subplot is one that certainly, I mean, I've, I've trafficked kind of in that space a lot over the past couple of years. And come to, I think my takeaway at this point is, you know, I, I was writing that Paul was hell-bent on going to the Lakers when he was with the Pacers. And in that moment, that was true. But you guys know how you know, the power and the politics come into play. In that moment, he also needed leverage to send a message to the Pacers that, you know, at minimum next summer, I already know a year out that, you know, that uh, this is a better option for me than being in Indiana. I already have one option that I, I guarantee you I'm not staying. And and that was the Lakers. And so, you know, it's interesting to me, and I know we'll, we'll keep, the, there's kind of a six degrees of Lakers component to all these conversations, but they are in such an interesting spot because, you know, they get used as leverage like that so often. And so that kind of helped him get out of Indiana. But again, now things have changed a little bit. He has enough of a foothold in OKC where they at least have a puncher's chance here. All right. So final prediction, where do you think Paul George ends up? I'm going to say OKC. Uh, that You know, I had some conversations today that were confirming that that's where the noise is at now again I mean you guys I'm sure saw that SI had kind of leaked the Lakers alleged pitch to Paul that was you know super corny and cheesy but it it also reminded you that when these meetings happen these are these are young guys and human beings and so when Magic Johnson's you know got that twinkle in his eye and he's looking at you and telling you on Lakerland maybe things change but the other reason I feel that way is, you know, in real time, as we're talking here, the Kawhi Leonard stuff is heating up. And I think it is definitely a reflection that the Lakers are highly concerned that they will not be getting Paul George. You know, like the degree to which they are willing to go all in on Kawhi is indicative of the reality that they, they know they probably can't get LeBron if they don't bring somebody else to town first. 
And, you know, that's what the Kawhi move represents for them. All right, you said Kawhi. Let's move on now to Kawhi Leonard. There's some increasing buzz about the Spurs kind of being more amenable to a trade, and they had kind of taken a very standoffish position for a long time, but I feel like they are nothing if not backed into a corner right now. What's the latest you've been hearing on, on any potential trade talks, and and where do you think Kawhi is at right now in his relationship with San Antonio and where he wants to be? Yeah, I mean, continue to hear that, that he's certainly fed up and, and ready to be done, and you know, and all the personal components that have been well chronicled in the media, the trust between him and the Spurs has eroded and, and the backstory on the health and how he got outside counsel and they didn't appreciate that. And, you know, you know how it all got to this point. Now, um, you know, I think what's interesting is that the Lakers, what I love is that, like I had just tweeted this morning about how, you know, there are other teams that are trying to make headway on the Kawhi front who are kind of they're not waving the white flag just yet, but they're reaching for the white flag because they're hearing, you know, some alleged specifics about a possible Lakers offer. And but then the debate from there, and I'd be curious to get your guys' feedback on on some of those details because again, this is what other teams are hearing, uh, not coming straight from the Lakers, you know. But it also becomes like it's in the eye of the beholder in terms of what the Lakers can offer. So if you know Rob Palenka and Magic Johnson are coming at you with Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma. Josh Hart, two first round, either two first rounders or a first rounder and Mo Wagner. And they are also shopping for another first rounder, which conceivably could bring it to three. And then not to be forgotten, you know, showing a willingness to take on bad money in return. You know, that sort of a of an offer is about as good as the Lakers can do. And but I've even been texting with some of our colleagues this morning, like Tim Bontemps, buddy from the Washington Post, had hit me up, and and he wasn't impressed. He he still likes what Philly could bring to the table. I'm kind of curious how you guys see it. Yeah, I mean when I when I look at what teams can offer uh, around the NBA, I mean I would rank it Boston, Philly, and the Lakers after that. And I think it it depends on what you think of all the young cores. But when I look at Boston and Philly's young core, you know I see four or five players that I like as much or more than what the Lakers could offer. Um, and I like Brandon right. Ingram. And, and, I, and I think that Lonzo Ball has potential. And I know we get caught up in the circus show, but if you look at, you know, the shooting has to get better. But if you look at the other things that he did last year, uh, particularly in certain stretches, like, I, I mean, I would not give up on Lonzo Ball at this stage. And I like Kuzma. I don't think Kuzma is a I don't think he's going to develop into a top two guy on a contending team, but I think he's certainly a viable starter in the league. So, I mean, they have three nice pieces there, even if you're not including Randall, but, uh, but Boston's pieces are much more high level in my opinion. I mean, Jason Tatum, if you're even going to go there, and I guess that was going to be my question for you with Kawhi is a couple of things. One is Sam, I don't really understand the not trading in the conference thing. Um, we've talked about that with a couple people too. And I, I, I don't, I don't really get that. Like, I mean, it's one series, basically. I mean, in the way the NBA schedule is is dictated, uh, you know, you play teams in your conference more often, obviously, but you still play the teams in the other conference twice. I mean, this isn't baseball um, where prior to interleague play. So is Pop, I, I mean, I guess it's moving a little bit in this direction now, but why would Pop have a problem trading him to the Lakers if he felt that the Lakers could offer him the best package. Like, why does he have to trade him East? Because I, I've seen that out there on Twitter, and I just don't understand it. Um, I think, I mean, the human component is always tough to quantify, right? And so as it specifically pertains to the Lakers, my thought would be, and obviously I haven't sat down and, uh, and had a glass of vino with Pop to break this down, so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm pontificating. But, like, you've got a built-in rivalry between the Lakers and the Spurs from yesteryear. I think – Potentially even and you know more germane to it is 
you have just complete opposite cultures between these two organizations. And what you do get a sense of when you talk to people around the Spurs is that, I mean, the Lakers in some ways represent, you know, the antithesis of uh, what the Spurs are. And so the idea of paving the way, not only, not only giving them your guy who, you know, not too long ago was saying that he wanted to be a Spur for life. I mean, I wrote that story a couple of years ago. That, those, those were Kawhi's words. Wanted to be there forever. So not only give him your guy, but then pave the way for LeBron, a guy who Pop holds in great regard and certainly would love to get his hands on himself. Uh, I just think it would make it tougher for them to uh, turn a new page and, and to watch this thing unfold. Now, obviously, like like we just talked about, if the offer is good enough, you got to do what's best for the franchise. Um, I don't question what you're saying at all, Ethan, when it comes to the fact that it doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense. But we it, we do see this. I mean. You know, what I find kind of funny about the Paul George trade to Oklahoma City that now is getting kind of relitigated in a positive way for the Pacers because Oladipo and Sabonis turned into really good players during their one season there is that Kevin Pritchard did the exact same thing. He did not want to have Paul George in the East. And the Cavs are sitting there, you know, wishing they were able to get that deal done. And by all accounts, you know, Kevin had a similar type feeling where he was upset that Paul, I mean, it's, it's a pretty analogous situation. He didn't love the way Paul was handling it, and he wasn't about to give Paul what he wanted. Uh, and, and lo and behold, it, it's almost, it's, it's, uh, it's just ironic that Paul ended up actually liking where he went because it was Kevin's way, I think, of partly trying to send him off to Siberia. I don't think he thought that it was going to be something that he liked. So I, I, you do see it, even if it doesn't make sense. Right. There's there's almost spite in it in a way, and I think I, that, it's still, right. it's still bizarre to me though. To me, what it, what this all comes down to as it relates to the trade is what are these teams willing to put on the table? And so with Philly, I don't think they're they're putting Simmons or Embiid on the table. I think that's a non-starter for them. Right. And to me, I'm not sure that the rest of what they have is enough. And then with Boston, it's what are they willing to put on the table? And that can really range in a million different ways, starting from the young guys to the veterans. Like if you're Boston. Do you think that Kawhi Leonard can maybe win you the championship? And if that's the case, what are you willing to put on the table? 100%. 100%. And I, I actually, I mean, I'm getting the sense, again, all in real time, but that it's probably, I, I don't think it's a lot right now. I mean, I, you know, it had been reported this morning that, that it was not only the Lakers, but the- Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Celtics also currently engaged with San Antonio, and I'm sure that is the case. But, you know, I got the only insight I got from the Boston side was there's not a lot going on right now. And I think that the, the one thing we can't gloss over is that there's just a, a major difference between the negotiation between the Spurs and the Lakers and the rest of the league because everybody knows that Kawhi's a free agent next summer, and you know that. Every asset you put on the table to potentially get him now without a promise. And forget about without a promise. It's actually like with a promise that he, for a lot of teams, that he will not resign because there has been some kind of boogeyman scare tactics going on here where his people have reached out to certain teams and said, this is a bad idea. You're going to lose assets for nothing. Now, I don't, I don't, I don't think that probably happened in Boston. I don't know if that's the case, but they still have reasons to be concerned. Same thing with Philadelphia. So we're kind of sitting here debating, you know, who can give the Spurs the best package. 
But that's not necessarily the conversation because the Lakers right now seem to be the only one that might be willing to go all in. We have no indication that that's the case for some of these other squads. You may have noticed that there have been more advertisements and sponsorships lately on the Five Reasons Sports Network. And it's not just because we're providing content in a different way than you can get from other people in South Florida. It's also because we're working with a great company. And that company is SpaceWolf.com. So I want you to check them out. You can find them on Twitter at AdSpaceWolf. That's A-D-S-P-A-C-E-W-O-L-F-F. Two F's at the end. Make sure that you check out their website, which is spacewolf.com. Again, two F's at the end, where not only can you advertise on our podcast, but you can find lots of other things to advertise on. Everything from over a urinal at a bar, if you want to get somebody's attention, or a banner advertisement on a soccer field. They offer just about everything. They can customize the pricing towards you. And if you have a business that you want to get some advertising on, you can upload your business there and other people can find you. So again, that's spacewolf.com. S-P-A-C-E-W-O-L-F-F dot com. All right, so that's Kawhi sorted. Now, everything kind of does get viewed through the prism of LeBron, and certainly George and Kawhi Leonard figure into the LeBron picture as well. So there is a report this morning from Stephen A. Smith that LeBron has reached out to Kevin Durant. There was another report about how he's putting pressure on the Lakers and other teams so that he's not the only superstar that goes to a place. So I don't think he wants to be left out on an island, but... I don't know that there's a ton of other alternatives. So where do you kind of see LeBron's current situation? Super interesting. I just got back from Santa Monica in L.A. I went down to the awards show. And, uh, you know, it's always a good sign when you still enjoy what you do for a living. Because I'll be honest, it was a lot of fun. Like it was we spend so much time on the phone, you know, grinding and trying to get in touch with certain people. And that's fine. But the awards show presented this really unique landscape where now you're kind of you're working the room in real time i mean it was almost like you know las vegas summer league on steroids because you're talking about the biggest stars and a lot of executives a lot of agents and so it was like you said chris a six degrees of lebron event even though lebron wasn't there and so i did get a chance to connect with bridge paul his agent a little bit pick his brain talk to some other folks um where i see it right now the the, the noise about the lakers is just really really loud and, and i've last couple of days I've been continuing to just, you know, my whole approach has been fine, but I don't have any clarity here. Like I, I cannot imagine that he's going to be the first domino and be the guy who just jumps without knowing, you know, who might come with him. If anybody, and, you know, we, we talked about the Kawhi stuff and now that is part of this conversation too, but it just feels like all the energy is moving towards LA so long as they can execute the types of things they need to execute. Um, from there, I say certainly don't count the calves out just yet because there is a chance, you know, if he just looks over that edge, looks over the cliff, doesn't love what he sees, and then realizes that I don't have to make this decision right now. I can go ahead and, and either opt in, which he has until Friday to do, or, you know, sign a one, one plus one, do this thing next summer. You know, 2019 free agency might make everything easier. Kawhi will be up, Clay Thompson, Jimmy Butler, guys like that. So, uh, you know, but I'd probably put the Lakers at the top of my list right now with the Cavs number two. Sam, when we talked to Joe Varden uh, from Cleveland.com recently, I mean, he he puts Cleveland in the lead, not by a plurality, right, but just ahead of all the other teams. And that's before some of the developments of the last couple of days. But his reasoning for that was, from a personal aspect, and I, knowing LeBron a little bit, I, I buy into this too. From a personal aspect, like there's no downside to him staying in Cleveland in terms of the right. legacy stuff, in terms of the family stuff. Like if he doesn't win there next year or the year after, 
it's okay. Well, I mean, he may get to the finals again. I mean, I think Philadelphia and Boston getting better uh, will make that a little more challenging here, depending on what Danny does this offseason and whether Fultz turns right. into what Philadelphia expects. But there's not really, I mean, there's not really going to be a hit to his reputation if he stays there. Um, I do think Cleveland fans are going to be much more generous to him on the way out this time than the last time. But still, at least he doesn't have to leave right away. Uh, his family, from everything that I've heard, uh, would be fine with him staying in Cleveland. I, I know there's some attraction to L.A., but but the Cleveland thing would be fine, particularly uh, with his son, obviously, with where he is in basketball. So that was kind of Joe's reasoning for it. I, I guess here's my question about the L.A. thing for him, and I brought this up on a couple of other pods. Um, Kobe fans are, <laughs> and I've said this before, are irrational to a certain degree um, in a way that I think no other uh, – group of fans in the NBA is actually. And, you know, I, I just know from personal experience that LeBron has this very competitive relationship with Kobe and it works both ways um, with even Kobe's tweet uh, in the past uh, two or three weeks, right. About LeBron in the finals. And I just wonder him going to Los Angeles, like if they don't win in the next two or three years, isn't he going to hear it out there? Like, uh, you know, Kobe won five rings out here. I mean, even going back to magic, Uh, that to me, like, I I don't know why LeBron would want to have to deal with that comparison, particularly because LeBron is a better player than Kobe ever was. But I don't know that Laker fans would ever accept that. And this is a 33-year-old, 34-year-old, 35-year-old LeBron who's going out there, not a 25-year-old LeBron who's coming to Miami. Uh, Did you see any of that? Does that make any sense? No, it does, 100%. I think, you know, and not only that, you know, it's probably worth noting that it'd be one thing if if everybody in the Laker family – seemed to be on the same page and was going all out to recruit LeBron. But Kobe's actions and his words have been puzzling and or maybe not puzzling, maybe just revealing on brand. And yeah, yeah, hundred percent on brand. And so, and Kobe and LeBron have always been at least outside looking in seem to have a decent relationship in terms of one-on-one, but you know, it's not as if, I mean, I talked to Kobe a couple months ago about it was when he was promoting his ESPN show and, and had asked him about recruiting and LeBron and, he hasn't really taken the bait. He's not sitting here. You know, he could easily come out and say, you know, listen, we've all got our legacies, but this guy is dominating the game right now. And it would be a privilege to have him in the family, something along those lines. And that's just not the case. So I buy all that. I think where I land is can LeBron convince himself that because he, you know, you guys have heard him say multiple times last couple of years, one of his talking points is that everything in his career at this point is cherry on top and that he has already accomplished more than he ever thought he could. And when he says that, I always kind of wonder, does he truly believe what he's saying? Because if he does, I could see him just reaching a point where now with my family, I'm looking at this from a family component, from a business component. I've got uninterrupted out there. I've got Spring Hill Entertainment. I've got different opportunities. I've got the the fun that comes with being in the sun and having a, a different version of the Miami lifestyle that, that he obviously enjoyed during those years. Um, if he truly believes that he's at peace with where he is gotten in his career and that he can just give it a a go in Lakerland and not let some of that scrutiny and some of that, you know, the noise you're talking about get to him, then maybe he does it. Uh, You know, only he knows the answer to that question. That, that would be a little surprising to me because he's not 39, he's 33. You know, he still has the opportunity here to to make an incredible impact on his legacy, which is already one of a kind. So, you know, that's the stuff that's just between his ears and, and there's no way for us to know. Hey, this is Gary and Thorne, host of the Fantasy on 5 podcast, part of the 5 Reasons Sports Network, letting you know that your fantasy football needs are covered this season. 
My co-host David Ganos and I will be leading you hand-in-hand through your draft and right up to Championship Sunday, offering our insight into the world of fantasy football. We'll also be inviting some of our friends from Sports Illustrated, Yahoo, and DraftKings. Look for us Tuesdays and Thursdays starting in July, wherever you currently listen to your favorite Five Reasons Network podcasts. On the Three Yards Per Carry podcast, you get this type of analysis. Even if you count all those guys, there's only two players in the NFL that are producing three yards or better every time they even step on the field and run a route. And those are Julio Jones and Jakeem Grant. And this, too. So naturally, we have this dick that could set fire to a suitcase with us, okay? So... Nobody's still about your life, right? (laughs) (laughs) Join us every Thursday for Three Yards Per Carry on the Five Reasons Sports Network, covering all of your Miami Dolphins news. All right, Sam, we're going to close with two more things here. First, because I know you're West Coast-based, so Boogie Cousins for me is a fascinating one. He gets traded to New Orleans. It doesn't really fit in. It almost seems like New Orleans kind of took off in some respects after he got hurt, and obviously the Achilles injury is such a massive thing to deal with, particularly for a man of that size. Where do you think he ends up now? Do you think he just comes back to New Orleans? What is his market value as well, given the fact that he just had that major injury? Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty unique free agency case. Um, you know, my sense there is that I, I don't, you know, I don't know the hard numbers, but I do think that New Orleans, for with good reason, you know, they have a ceiling on what they are willing to commit in terms of years and money, because there's really not any precedent for a big man like DeMarcus Cousins having that kind of an injury and getting back to the level he was at before. We always end up pointing to Dominique Wilkins as kind of one of the few who was actually better post-Achilles injury than he was before, but that's a wing, and that's a different story. DeMarcus is just a huge man, and so there's questions on the Pelicans front. I think, you know, if I'm handicapping it, that that kind of limited commitment could certainly lead him to look for greener pastures. There's a lot of noise about Dallas, and that's a place he's been tied to for a long time. Mark Cuban has been trying to get his hands on DeMarcus, going all the way back to the Sacramento days, and and really just had this, you know, this not surprising kind of swagger-filled sense that he personality wise he wasn't worried about boogie that he he loved his fiery nature and and even dirk was you know allegedly on board with the idea of of kind of sharing a locker room with them so dallas is a possibility uh but i would also say i wonder i'd heard that demarcus is he's also pretty focused on and pretty in love with the idea of possibly playing with lebron i I don't know if that's reciprocated or not but i wonder you know let's say since we're just spitballing that the lakers pull this off and they get Kawhi, you know and then they get lebron to me i mean if they got the money left over and you don't have a third star if you do something with the marcus and maybe you do a responsible contract because you know the guy wants to be there so badly um, even with all the red flags, I'd be a pretty nice third guy to add to that group. So, you know, who knows if he can find his way into the locker room with LeBron. All right. So one more here, Sam, and this is for our listeners in South Florida. And, you know, I always like to get a national perspective on these things because we can be a little bit myopic down here. And, you know, I've covered Pat Riley down here for, for more than 20 years. And I was surprised by his off season last year. Cause it was, we talk about off brand or on brand, uh, it was very sure. off-brand for Pat Riley to commit long-term deals to slightly above-average players, which is what he did right. last off-season after getting a lot of guys on one-year deals, these make-good deals, and letting Eric Spolstra coach them up. I thought he would let those guys walk and bring in more guys like that until he could finally get his superstar. So as we enter free agency here, the Heat don't have any cap space. 
They've got two contracts in Tyler Johnson and Hassan Whiteside that they clearly want to move. And then they signed uh, four different guys to four-year deals last year, only one of which, uh, Josh Richardson, looks like a really good contract. Kelly Olenek looks like a pretty good contract. Uh, James Johnson and Deion Waiters, uh, not quite so much. So just from a league perspective, um, do you think that the kind of contracts they signed last offseason, which they kind of pitched as being movable, these sort of 11 to $14 million per year deals for decent rotation players, do you think those are movable now, considering that the cap has flattened out? Yeah, I mean, that's that's an advantage. I mean, it's still a tough sell to me, and I know that's not what the local fans want to hear. Um, but, you know, it, it is, you know, you've got contracts that, that, you know, if the spike continued in that direction that it had gone in, then, then everybody all across the league was going to feel better and better about these deals that they cut. Uh, you know, the flattening out doesn't help in that regard. Uh, and and it, I never thought about the way you frame the discussion about Pat Ethan is is dead on, and I hadn't necessarily kind of made that that uh, that pull away when it comes to him changing character. So it puts them in a tough spot where you know they were one of the nice surprise stories last year, uh, and I think honestly that the direction it's going, they probably wind up just the fans have to enjoy the reality that it's you know they never bottomed out in the way that we thought they were going to when LeBron left town. Uh, so I mean, I still love their culture, love what they're doing, but that's, it's a lot of money. And I don't hear a lot of noise about there being great landing spots for some of those deals. I want to mention one in particular, because you're, you've been based out in the Sacramento area for a long time. So you were familiar with Hassan Whiteside before Heat fans became familiar with Hassan Whiteside. Um, Sam, when, when they signed the four-year deal with Hassan for $98 million a couple of years ago, I, I was in favor of it because I, I thought you don't lose the asset there, even if you had questions about sort of how he'd work after he got the deal and whether there was a lot more upside there. They've got two years left on that deal for, you know, north of $50 million. Can you see any team uh, taking a, a chance on him at this point? I mean, maybe a, a Portland has been mentioned. He seems to have a really good relationship with McCollum and Lillard. I think McCollum was actually at his place last night. With If you look at social, some of the social media, can you see maybe the Blazers taking a run at him could you see Dallas if maybe DeAndre Jordan or Boogie Cousins doesn't work out or the heat just sort of stuck in this situation for one more year until that contract is expiring I mean on face value I can see it it's just the number is what creates this massive mental block when it comes to that idea because your logic on Portland is sound and I've actually noticed the CJ friendship before months and months ago I remember looking at some of his social media stuff and he was hanging at Hassan's house I think they you know those guys are clearly tight the Dallas thing, I mean, if you're willing to roll the dice on DeMarcus Cousins, then, you know, maybe that logic uh, extends to a guy like Hassan. Uh, the, the other thing about Portland and where you could have some leverage there is that there's, you know, it's a little unnerved. I don't know what the word is, a little sensitive out in Portland these days because they just really need a third piece. And I think there's concern about how long is Damian Lillard going to be patient and, you know, what do they do there? So they are in the market for almost every third guy. And so then the question becomes, is Hassan that guy? And even with the massive money, you know, is the length just short enough that you feel like it's worth giving it a go? Um, those are two good ones. And again, though, it's just, man, that number is so huge. And you're coming off a year that had so much dysfunction that sends a, a bad message about his fabric, honestly. And and that's the thing. If you go back to when they cut the deal, you know, I was never, I'm not close to, to the heat, uh, certainly not like you at all. But uh, I mean, I, I was shaking my head at that one because there are so many Hassan Whiteside stories from over the years that, you know, you, you looked at that and you thought to yourself, like, 
all right, good for him if he seems to have changed his stripes a little bit. But, you know, I do feel like last year some of that that old Hassan came out a little bit. All right, Sam Amick of USA Today. He is their NBA insider. He's going to be a must-follow during NBA free agency on Twitter at Sam underscore Amick. That's A-M-I-C-K. Appreciate the time, man. I know it's really busy for you, and uh, we really appreciate you doing this. No problem, guys. Enjoyed it. Thank you. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.